The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Step into the heart of the action with The Con Center, a podcast that illuminates the untold stories of emergency dispatchers and their vital role in saving lives. Join us as we delve into riveting 911 calls, bridging the gap between dispatchers and first responders, and uncovering the remarkable synergy that safeguards our communities. Hear the voices behind the scenes on The Con Center. Center. Guns up, giddy up. How's it going out there, Fire Stop Wolfpack? This is the Cobb Center with Drew Breezy. My name's John. I'm a dispatcher in the field, have been for about eight years. I was a correctional officer before that, which I like to think counts for something. Hosting this show is Detective Andrew Baxter, formerly of the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. He has uh, almost 30 years of experience. So now we're going to break down a case going on out in Los Angeles County, California. Seems like there's some controversy out there. Seems like there's a small anti-police sentiment out there. This shocking development is what brings us here tonight. Drew, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. I, a, a few corrections, a few very minor corrections. Almost 29 years, 28 and change, oh. 28 years and 11 months. First of all, second of all, I served. I as took a off the time you spent sleeping in the car. Sorry. I ser- okay, so 26 years. So I served as a detective. Uh, I retired as a lieutenant. That's a big deal, John. Uh, and then also, what was the other thing? Uh, oh. Uh, so you'll know, I started, uh, in, in case you didn't know this, John, I started as a dispatcher. Uh, I served for two and a half years or so. I guess and then will, I yeah. went into the, then I went into the field of law enforcement and, uh, I had a wonderful, robust career. And towards the end of my career, I returned to run the same comm center that I, uh, that I started in. It's undergoing, uh, several changes, uh, personnel changes, like at the top right now. It's, it's kind of in turmoil. You know what I, I you know what I, I, I really uh, would like to discuss uh, briefly uh, because I said this to you earlier. When I came back to the comm center, when I did, the thing that I noticed about working in that environment are uh, is that, and I always joke about this. The only thing that really changed was the paint and some of the technology, and not even all of the paint. Uh, it, it was um, uh, a, a wretched situation in the sense that the citizens are still mean to the call, the call takers. The cops are still relatively mean and, and dismissive of the call takers. But even worse, it's a trauma-filled environment where nobody trusts one another and knives and daggers come out. So therefore, uh, the dispatchers tend to turn on each other. And it's a it's a sad environment. I, I uh, it, it's it's a product of uh, post traumatic stress, in my personal opinion, in my research, I I firmly believe that. But there is a sense of decorum that can be, um, let's say, maintained with proper leadership or with um, just being good human beings, and perhaps like not ganging up on somebody and not bullying them and, and not being a bully supervisor or bully manager or not being, uh, being clickish is, uh, is quite popular in the, in big comm center communities. Uh, I have to thank Melanie Owen for this first time super chatter. Melanie has put up uh, a $20 super chat. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Keep up the great work, guys, she says. And you know what? If any of you want to throw a little bit 
of uh, money in the hat, you, you feel free to do that. You just you 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 tap that super chat button. But <clears throat> and uh, dig deep. But uh, I, I would just like to say. It is a vir- it is an environment rife with um, you know a little bit of backstabbing here and a little bit of uh, hey check out so and so social media did you see what they put on there there's a little snitchery going on uh, a, definitely a lot of uh, worrying about other people's business uh, and I just wish the environment would clean up a little bit in that sense I, I'm not trying to talk down to anybody I'm just trying to talk facts to be honest and and to be frank I've uh, had text conversations and DMs from people. Uh, some I know, some I don't, who say the same thing, that they're being bullied or that they're and, – and, you know, that's not a term I use loosely uh, – or that there are too many clicks up in a comp center environment. And I just – I wish we could all kind of just come together because we are uh, trying to serve the same purpose. And, and I, But, I, I mean, I do understand that it's an aquarium up there. It's, it's, uh, it's four walls, and, and you can't uh, – you're going to go stir crazy. You're going to, you're going to get on each other's nerves, but that's why I, I just wish the little things, the administrators of uh, these large law enforcement agencies would pay attention to the little things like giving them a quiet room or throwing a, a golden retriever up there every once in a while. Just, just give them something nice and a nice break room. Uh, acknowledge them, give them, um, uh, get them engaged in the process because that's all they want. They just want to be heard. So speaking of being heard, John, you have 10 seconds to be heard. Go. It's, it's not It's not just uh, having an admin. That I'm sorry. Me. Your 10 seconds are up. We are going to go <laughs> to our first news story. No, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. I was bullying you. I know what it's like to be bullied. I've, <laughs> I've been on camera with you since an hour ago. <laughs> oh, that's so true. <laughs> No, it's it's not just uh, having an admin that takes care of you. Of course, there's certainly that, and uh, most dispatchers will have their complaints about admin. But uh, my boss famously said, and this is something I brought up a long time ago in episode two, that you know that we have huge gaps of employment in telecommunicators or dispatchers, whatever your term may be, uh, be all across the country. And the reason for that is is that uh, a lot of times we just no matter amount no matter amount of pay or acknowledgement or pizza parties or golden retrievers, frankly can compensate for the amount of disrespect that we often have to put up with with our partner agencies. I'm talking police officers, I'm talking firefighters, EMTs, tow truck drivers, anybody that we really have to uh, partner with. And between being between them and the disrespect they could show us sometimes and the public, uh, it puts you in a situation where uh, despite being the the very tip of the spear of, of the law enforcement effort, the person that gathers the intelligence, who gets all the critical information out there to the people who go out there and, and do the dirty work and save lives and put out fires, uh, we're made to feel very second rate and little more than secretary. So uh, this show is kind of founded on the, on the principle that maybe we could uh, boost the esprit de corps of dispatchers and show what we do in the field uh, to be the main engine of public safety. Drew, uh, my 10 seconds are up. Back to you. I promise you, having been in both environments, uh, the, the, the people, the fine people in the communication center take the beatings for everybody else. They really do. I, I don't I, – I, I wouldn't say that just to say it. Uh, I wouldn't say that to garner sympathy for them because they don't ask for anything. And sometimes uh, it, the, the sad part about this is sometimes they just don't uh, realize – that they deserve more respect than they're getting. And, and that's kind of the purpose of the show, John. That's why we retooled our, our intro to, to get people to understand what we're doing here. Uh, we're giving dispatchers a voice, although I keep uh, 
talking over you. I just want to acknowledge two podcasters in the uh, – we got a podcaster in the house. We're going to be talking to Daniel Carr from Police Law News, one of my favorite accounts on Instagram. Um, he's also got a robust TikTok account. He is a uh, – he is not a practicing attorney, but he has graduated law school. He's also a detective uh, from uh, a large agency in the southwestern United States, which is why John has decorated his uh, motif with the southwestern theme, as you can see. Uh, he has a TP set up on the other side of his lights. And we, uh, we're going to talk to Daniel about a very controversial case. Uh, in the chats tonight, we have Abby from On Being a Police Officer, who is our mainstay. She's our... She is our um, like the, the the big sister that we all love. Uh, she has taken us under wing. She um, did a, a brilliant episode with someone by the name of Catherine Boyle, who runs a, an Instagram page or an account called uh, The Lieutenant's Daughter. It's way more than that. I really encourage you to go to On Being a Police Officer and listen to what um, the conversation between Abby and Catherine Catherine's doing the Lord's work. She literally is a lieutenant's daughter, and she's an anomaly in the sense that she was a cop's kid, but she never really understood like the depth of what the cops go through because her dad was so good at just being a father and not not bringing that home with him, if it makes sense. It's a, it's a compelling story, and, and the, thing that Kath, the things that Catherine is doing uh, are amazing. And she also had a cousin who was killed in the line of duty. Also, we have... Uh, another friend of mine, a show that I was on called uh, Things Police See, Firsthand Accounts. That was a great podcast I was on. Um, and welcome to the chats. Uh, and please, everybody, make everybody else feel comfortable. Give each other a hug. This would be the point in the church service where the minister would stop everyone and make you all stand up and shake hands and hug one another. John? Oh, take your mic off. Of oh, rookie mistake. We call that greeting time, obviously. Uh, I just wanted to get my news out of the way so that we can move on to an otherwise excellent program. Uh, right. I, I have a, a couple names we have to add, sadly, to our list of among the stung. Unfortunately, um, <clears throat> Will Cray, who was one of the stalwarts of the failure to stop wolf pack, was viciously and repeatedly stung by wasps and uh, all over his face. Uh, the doctors say he may never again have a human face. So prayers go out to Will Cray. Uh, we we think about you and the person that you were, good looking as you used to be. And we know that you cannot recover. We know that you will not try your spirit, having been defeated by thousands of swarming bees. Uh, also, Teresa Kay, a stalwart of the... Uh, of the oh, Pack. no. Teresa was, uh, she is uh, now in an iron lung. Uh, because she is on Obamacare, and that is the best you could get for a bee sting when you are yeah. on Obamacare. So thoughts and prayers go out to Teresa as she uh, uh, recovers uh, heavily sedated uh, with uh, animal tranquilizers. And we we hope that uh, someday you will even want to come back to the waking world. I also got a message today from a uh, brave uh, police officer in California who was dispatched to a call, a van that struck a pole that was actually a secret base for hornets and wasps and whoa the, the entire vehicle was swarmed with hornets and wasps and um she she did what what anyone would do is she knows her use of force policy she got out of her vehicle bravely like any police officer and shot wildly into the air possibly nicking an insect or two before fleeing the scene uh thank you for reaching out to me and i'm, I'm thinking and praying for you too because i know the bees aren't just in the skies they're in your mind too drew back to you 
Well, as Steve, Daniel, and uh, and Abby, our fellow pos- podcasters, will tell you, there uh, things get thematic in uh, the podcast world. Uh, <clears throat> the, the common thread between last week's show and this week's show, uh, obviously, are the bees. One, we always talk about bees for some reason. That's because it's John's weakness. We also, uh, I just realized, have uh, set a new record on um, uh, Failure to Stop Comp Center with Drew Breezy. We have mentioned the Iron Lung two shows in a row. So congratulations to John for doing that. Speaking of of information from last week, uh, I want to go over a story. This is a follow-up. This is a Comm Center follow-up. Comm Center follow-up. Last week, we talked about a story of an officer who was caught sending her own text messages, sending menacing text messages to herself in the claims that uh, she was being harassed. It was kind of a setup for a lawsuit. Now the headline reads from the Austin police, lawsuit claims officer accused of sending menacing text messages to herself had a sexual relationship with the chief. So it's uh, Emily Hershowitz. She's with the Austin Police Department. Uh, She complained for months about receiving alarming text messages from her colleagues. However, investigations allege she'd been the one sending them all along. If you'll remember, we trace the call. It's coming from your house. She was subsequently arrested and charged uh, with three counts of first degree f- uh, filing a false instrument, which is a felony, and four counts of third degree falsely reporting an incident. But a lawsuit by two former officers uh, claims Hershowitz was involved in a sexual relationship with the village police chief, Kevin Sylvester. She was, quote, having an ongoing sexual relationship, end quote, with the top cop, the lawsuit claims, among other allegations, the New York Post claims, or reported anyway. Uh, Sylvester allegedly filed the complaint with the West, uh, Westchester District Attorney's Office in August of uh, 22 over the threatening text, text messages uh, Hershowitz was reportedly receiving on her phone, and he placed the blame on one of the former officers suing the village. Uh, so if we haven't learned anything here, uh, we should know that it takes a village and we should bring in our village, uh, for tonight, Daniel, who is uh, from police law news. Welcome, my friend. You're in the middle now, Daniel in the middle. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? I, I, I grease the skids. I want you to just take us home. Thank you so much, and I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's a, truly an honor to be here. Again, my name is Daniel Carr. Um, I have uh, social media accounts that, that I run under Police Law News uh, over at uh, TikTok and Instagram. I also write on Substack over at Police Law Newsletter. Um, I was with uh, I've been a police officer for just hit 18 years, and um, during 18 years, I'm, I'm a detective is what I'm currently now. While working the cop job, uh, I went back for a master's degree in criminal justice and finished law school a couple years ago. Um, when I retire here pretty soon, I plan to work as an attorney representing police officers, and I truly find all of this material extremely fascinating and love to be here to talk about some of these cases. Man, I'd love to have you here. If you, uh, I, I, I love, um, I, I love your account. First of all, I mean that's kind of how we met. We met over social media. Social media is pretty powerful. Uh, also through Substack, I love reading your articles. This guy is a busy guy. I mean, he's uh, he he does. If I'm not mistaken, you're a detective that. Uh, handles use of force investigations or officer involved shootings maybe or something close to that or you did at one point no 
Yes, the last three or four years I've been a detective in a unit where not only I investigate use of force by police officers, but I've also worked in compliance, kind of overseeing not just what police officers do in the field, but also kind of overseeing and doing a kind of a, a big level review of how um, internal affairs also handles those investigations. Awesome. It sounds like you have a, a great setup for a great career once once you leave the uh once you leave the department, but you're having a great career now. So um, it, the, the thing that you'll see in common between Daniel and I is that, you know, sometimes we disagree on things um, because he sees things from a different perspective. I mean, he does this for a living. He, he, he views use of force cases for a living. Uh, what we cannot stand and that we have in common is uh, just uh, dishonest, complete dishonesty by media, complete dishonesty by social media critics. And I, I'm, I, for one, am, am tired of it. So I'm, uh, doing my best to to call it out. Uh, but it's always a gamble when you do that because you don't know if you're going to get canceled. You know, we've all been there before, a weekend trip to the casino canceled because of a uh, real-life calling. So my bookie's new and improved online casino is here to change the game. You don't have to gamble being canceled. You could dive into a truly realistic casino experience featuring the latest in slots, progressive jackpots, and live dealer action all from the comfort of your own home take advantage of weekly blackjack tournaments that's that 21 game john and a new brand new collection of high-end games for the chance at real cash rewards as opposed to the fake cash rewards on some of those other bunky sites your adventure at my bookie casino begins today with a generous sign-up bonus if you use promo code wolfpack that's promo code Wolfpack to secure yourself a sweet deposit bonus, and that's not all. It never is, because their revamped loyalty program ensures that you'll be showered with rewards, including free spins, cashback offers, and a host of exclusive VIP perks. The more you play, the more you win. Play anytime, anywhere with MyBookie Casino. I am so tired after reading that. I'm exhausted. I wish I could lay down, John. And that's a good place to lay down. A ghost bed. Andrew, while I read this oh. ghost bed ad, why don't you see if you could turn on call-in studio so people could call us? After oh, you go shoot. to after you go to my bookie, don't forget to mute while you call it in to call in studio. After you go to my bookie and you win a fat stacks of cash, you're gonna want a place to throw that around and roll around in it. Well, go to the ghost bed. Ghost bed is the only mattress company. I'm pretty sure the only one made right here in the USA. We love Ghostbed here. They've been a loyal sponsor of Failure Stop since before the beginning. You can get a mattress with 0% down, 0% financing, even if you have Drew Breezy credit. Now go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack and use the offer code Wolfpack. You get some amazing deals over there. We are proud to uh, be supported by Ghostbed. Like I said, they support Failure to Stop. First responders, veterans, they've been a good friend of this show. If you like Failure to Stop and you want to support us, go over there by buy a Ghostbed. You can also like, hit like and subscribe on this video. You can leave us a five-star review on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, Drew, you got it working or you got me to, you want me to do some flap, flapjack time? I am not sure what you said because the call-in studio guy was screaming in oh. my ear. Uh, speaking of call-in studio, you can call us at 848-COM-911. That's 848-266-6911. Nice. Nice. Uh, so what, what were you saying, John? I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure you, we got all the call in studio logged in there so that I'd have to keep flapjacking it. We did you for, you, you completely, uh, uh, you saved me on that one. Yeah, um, that's what I'm here for If you guys do want to call in, we're a live call in show. We want to keep uh, in mind though, call in while we're talking about the issues. If you call when we're wrapping up, like, uh, we can't be here all night. So just call in now. You can listen to the show. You're on the phone with us. It's not like you have to choose one or the other calling in or 
for staying on the line. So call us. You can listen to the show. You can also talk to Deadleg. He's our call screener tonight. So give us a call, 848-266-6911, and we'll be happy nice. to take your call. Drew, go ahead. All right, let's start with a little lesson, a little refresher for you. If you're not a cop, if you're a dispatcher, if you're a common citizen, or if you are a cop and you just need this refresher, let me tell you what this, what a Terry stop is. A Terry stop is a brief detention that allows a police officer to approach a person to investigate possible criminal behavior, okay? This is relevant in this case. I'm going to play uh, a news clip for you first, then Daniel and I will do, we'll have some, uh, some discussion over shows deputies slam a woman to the ground and tonight now oh. at 11 la county sheriff calling the video you are watching right now disturbing it shows deputies slam of course we're adding commentary to this news for report in the community good evening everyone i'm colleen williams sheriff robert luna saying at a press conference today that there is a lot we know and a lot more we don't know and that's why the investigation is for nbc 4s darsha phillips live right now in lancaster with reaction to all of this darsha yeah, Colleen, the incident happened back on June 24th in the parking lot of this Winco in Lancaster. It was first captured on a witness's cell phone, and then on Monday, the Sheriff's Department released body cam footage. And we do want to warn you, the footage is disturbing, and it has angered many people in this community. When do we want it? Protesters took over the parking lot at the Winco in Lancaster, outraged over cell phone and body cam footage of a confrontation between L.A. County Sheriff's deputies and two black people on June 24th. The footage shows deputies detaining a man. Then a deputy grabs a woman who appears to be recording the incident and slams her to the ground. Now you can't touch me. You can't touch me. The deputy orders her to get on the ground several times and then says, Stop, Stop. and get punched in the you, face. You punch me and you're going you're to get sued too. You are As the deputy is trying to restrain her, she tells him she can't breathe. Get your neck off my, off my, I can't breathe. At one point, he appears to put his knee near her neck and then appears to pepper spray the woman. At a press conference today, Sheriff Robert Luna didn't mince words. It's disturbing. There's no ifs and buts about it. But the sheriff admits the investigation into the incident is ongoing, and he doesn't have all the facts of what took place that day. The sheriff said the deputies were responding to an assault of a loss prevention officer at the Winco, and the man and woman seen in the body cam footage matched the description of the suspects. Sheriff Luna said the man in the video was cited with resisting arrest and petty theft, and the woman cited with assaulting an officer and battery of an officer inside the Winco. People at today's protest say the man and woman are innocent until proven guilty, and the deputies should have never handled them in that way. If it was my grandma that I saw on camera get thrown on the ground... As for those who witnessed the incident, they're disappointed what? in the sheriff's department and say communities of color are tired of living in fear of law enforcement. He said they've been charged with different things. How can you charge someone and you're handcuffing them and they weren't their rights weren't even read to them? Now, the deputies involved in the incident have been taken off field duty as the investigation into the incident continues. Reporting live from Lancaster tonight, I'm Darsha Phillips, NBC4 News. Okay, look, there's a couple of things right off the bat that I want to address. Um, first of all, it's this uh, uh, reading of the rights thing. Uh, 
that, that's a that's a fallacy. Uh, well, let's. Let, I'm angry already. Um, this story has been framed as black people, black people, black people, black people thrown to the ground. Black people scared. Black people. Well, who do you think is making them scared? Do you think it's actually the police, or do you think it's actually maybe the news media telling them you need to be afraid of the police because this is what they do? What's your take on this uh, this case? Absolutely. So my, my first take on a case like this, and we, we all know that the anti-police activists, that they're always looking for the next new case that they can just glob onto, that even if it isn't a great case, or and again, as we know, use of force never looks good. It never looks pretty. But these anti-police activists, they're always looking for the next thing that they can latch onto to say, this is how all 800,000 police officers behave. And this is just, this case just has almost every element that they would be looking for if, if they were going to pick the perfect case. It has young white cops, older black suspects, likely a misdemeanor crime, a questionable use of force, and a magic catchphrase that you just can't unhear once it's on camera. You're absolutely right. I can't breathe. Is uh, and and I, I've said this in a previous uh, uh, previous episode of Failure to Stop. Look, we'll we'll trade out, sir. Stop resisting, for hey, I can't breathe, because we know you can breathe. We know that's a lie. We know you're doing that for the camera. As a matter of fact, they made reference to him putting his knee near her neck, which isn't the case. The whole, the, the, the crux of this thing is that there is cell phone video that's, that kicked this off. Okay, so this wasn't an issue. Supervisors reviewed it, and they, they determined everything was fine. Body camera wasn't released for this. It was just another day at the Winco apparently but there was cell phone video that emerged in this case that really makes it look bad and i can tell you this any use of force looks bad it doesn't mean that it is bad Every, just about 100 of the uses of force look bad cops don't want to use force it's extra there's like extra stuff to do i think people think that we're just taking our like aggressions out on them or it's it's just not the case if if you just comply, it's probably thing, you know, things are probably going to be a little bit more smoother. Do you agree or disagree? Absolutely. And I'm sure we're going to get into it here in a second, but exactly what you just said, Drew. So there's a difference and we're going to see it as we go through this case, but there's really a difference between how the police officers interacted and what happened with the male and what happened with the female. And there's really only one difference between the male and the female, active resistance. And we see how police officers act when someone doesn't actively resist and when someone does actively resist. And that's really the, the the nexus. That's really what happened here and why this case went to this, I, I would agree with questionable use of force. Okay, we're going to watch actual body cam footage in a minute. I, I just kind of wanted to cover some of the, the news coverage because it's just very interesting what what they, uh, how they frame this. Like, I, I'm just, uh, you know, they, they're like growing controversy and then they, they tell you, um, they say things, they prime you by saying, uh, we just want you to know that what you're about to see is very disturbing. Um, I mean, if they, come on, I mean, if, if this were a baby duck about to eat a goldfish in a pond and they told you what you're about to see is very disturbing, you would probably be disturbed. I mean, you're just, you're being primed to do so. Um, and I think that's just another media trick. Like if, if it's that disturbing that you don't think the public deserves to see it, then don't show it. But this is, this happens 
on a very regular basis. This is very minor resistance. This is very minor use of force. It just, it looks bad. The optics are horrible because it's an elderly female. I mean, they call her elderly. She doesn't look elderly. She doesn't look like she's uh, having trouble getting around. And um, what this all started from also, by the way, if we can back up just a second, Daniel, you and I talked about this a little bit before the the cameras turned on. Um, The phone call itself that came from the Winco, I did a public records request for the uh, L.A. Sheriff's Department for that specific phone call. Um, I've been assigned a, uh, a control number to kind of keep check the status on it. I checked the status on it this afternoon. It's, it's not ready. I don't know that they're ready to release it yet. I, I tend to think that maybe they're just working on it. I, I don't, you know, they're, they're very big into transparency right now with the new sheriff, uh, Sheriff Luna. So I don't think they're holding anything back as far as that's concerned. I'm very curious to know what happened in that 911 call because it was a 911 call. It's been widely reported. It was a 911 call from inside the Winco. Was it an employee saying, help, I'm being robbed? Was it an employee saying, hey, there are two people in here stealing stuff and they're fighting with me? And uh, the dispatcher kind of interpreted that as a robbery. Did the dispatcher interpret it as, well, this is a theft with some kind of violence going on and uh, i mean john what's your take on this i know we have discussed this before uh what what happens in a call like this well first i wanted to just circle back and say that you know i've got some a unique perspective on this too i appreciate that we've got two seasoned detectives here um i've been working alongside detectives a long time some of you may know that i was in loss prevention before i was ever a correctional officer so i have a very unique perspective when it comes to shoplifters I hate them. Uh, so uh, no, when someone dials 911, uh, very often someone will use a very uh, inflammatory language. Someone will say, I've just been robbed or there's a home invasion in progress. Uh, these things are not the same thing. First of all, a home invasion is a term invented by uh, ADT or an alarm company to make a burglary in progress sound worse. But when someone calls in and they say, uh, there's a robbery happening right now or I've just been robbed, uh, what does that mean? Well, to the letter of the law, it means they use force or coercion coercion to deprive someone of property. Think getting mugged or a typical bank robbery like what you would see in a movie. That's They're using either a threat of violence, implied violence, the presence of a weapon, that's uh, armed robbery, uh, to deprive someone of the property. Now, burglary, of course, is when someone you know enters a structure either by breaking or simply unlatching a door and going inside and taking something. Theft, of course, is where shoplifting comes in. It's usually petty theft if you're looking at something in a grocery store. Even if they loaded up a whole cart and pushed it out, the added, the added up value of all the items in that cart are not usually going to equal an amount. Pro- definitely not in California that's going to equal grand theft. No. For grand theft, you're going to be talking in some, most jurisdictions, the minimum threshold is at least $1,000. In many places, it's higher, particularly with Biden inflation going on. Uh, the cost of, of grand theft is also going up. People can try to no. go to grand theft and uh, they, with they get Biden their inflation, they, actually, they get there sooner. It's no, yeah, no, it stands to reason that you would need less product to get higher yeah, they, they, thought, they thought they were merely committing a petty theft and all of a sudden boom no uh egg, eggs yeah. are four dollars a piece buddy so <laughs> right, right you're you're going so to that's the, 48 you're going to the penitentiary now because uh, you took milk and eggs on this one uh yeah. but but the the response from a dispatcher is totally different i gave this example before where uh, a loss prevention person from a hardware store called in and said we have just been robbed the suspect is fleeing the scene he's westbound on this major road and now he's northbound on the interstate well if we have a robbery that just occurred 
we're full felony stop situation. That means police are going to pursue. It means they may use tactics such as a pit, pit maneuver spikes and other things to stop that vehicle in jurisdictions where pursuits are allowed. And it means they're also going to engage in a felony stop. This is what you see in all the cool action movies. Get out of the car, come out with your hands up, get down on your knees, and they do the whole thing. Uh, of course, I think any reasonable person, any layman could tell that someone uh, stealing a carton of eggs or whatever, uh, secreting that uh, under their blouse or just pushing it out on a cart, is uh, that's not a, an appropriate response to draw your weapon on them and uh, be treating them as though they are a felon in flight. I'm sure that you guys will pile on the legal knowledge about what it means to be a felon in flight. Uh, it changes the whole use of force continuum, but the public just does not commonly understand the difference between theft, burglary, and robbery. And when a dispatcher gets the report of a robbery, sometimes we have to ask many clarifying questions to fully understand what's going on. Drew. So, so Daniel, just from the response standpoint, you and I were both street cops at one point. I mean, you know, you're thinking, uh, you're you're reading the screen. Let's go with the lowest scenario, which would be there's a petty theft in progress. They're fighting with the shop owners and I can hear a bunch of commotion in the background. Well, you don't know what you got. You don't know if you got a fight. You don't know if you've got, you know what I mean? It's going to affect your response either way. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yes. Because that is 100% going to um, affect the response. If you think that you have someone who committed a, a misdemeanor inside the store, obviously that's still going to be a response from, from the police. You know, probably you're going to still want to place those people into custody, but it wouldn't be the same, probably even not even the same amount of officers who are dispatched if there was a robbery where if something was taken by force, because that adds it to a felony level crime, that is going to be a, a very serious thing. And, and just like uh, John said a second ago, you know, if the offender flees, that's one of those things that a police officers they are going to chase for they probably are going to use a pit maneuver or, or or spike strips where if it's someone shoplifting a carton of eggs even if they're really expensive eggs and if they get away we're not going to be setting up the helicopter in order to get them into custody by the way I, i'm pretty sure I, I unless it's gone up i i think the threshold between uh misdemeanor and felony in california is a thousand dollars it was um it was three hundred dollars for years and years here in florida just right before I retired, it bumped up to 750 bucks. So it's hard to get up to $750. I mean, even like, let's just say hypothetically, like I'm sure your town is the same as, as mine. We all had the Walmart problem where we spend most of our time at the Walmart because that's where the majority of the crimes happen. But, you know, somebody throws a, a flat screen TV into a shopping cart and runs out the front door. That used to be over $300, obviously, but the scales moved. So now, you know, you got to meet the $750 uh, threshold and the price of big screen TVs have come down conveniently to below 750 bucks. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like free big screen TVs, but, but, you know, in a sense, just from a, an administrative standpoint, do we want to, do we want to risk our officers? Do you want to risk personal injury for, for the theft of uh, property from a business that's under say a thousand dollars? I mean, Exactly. And, and I could see some people saying, well, I mean, if it's if it's the same crime, if it's the same act from the offender, what does it matter if it's tip, if it's a misdemeanor or a felony? Like, shouldn't you just want to get the bad guy into custody? And this I that's why I really think it's important to just remember that use of force from a police officer has to be reasonable. And you go, well, what makes the use of force reasonable? Like, what metrics are we going by? And one of those most important things when it comes to whether or not a use of force is reasonable is the is the seriousness of the crime. So that's why it is so important exactly what kind of crime it was. And, and just like you guys were saying, people don't always know the, the difference between robbery, home invasion, 
theft. And it's because of that seriousness of the crime is one of the elements, one of the metrics that is going to be seriously evaluated about whether or not the use of force is reasonable, therefore within department policy, and maybe even within the law. Right. Yeah, it's it's totally, uh, totally. It's totality of circumstances. I mean, like, uh, the problem is when we're trying to get there and we're trying to evaluate what's happening on the little tiny five-inch computer screen in your car, uh, and, and you're trying to navigate traffic. And of course, even if, you know, this probably wouldn't be a lights and sirens situation unless it was actually reported as a robbery. I mean, then it might be, but, um, an armed robbery, I would think, but, um, you know, nobody's going to get out of your way. They, they don't get out of your way when you have lights and sirens on. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, they, they probably aren't going to get out of your way. And that's where, that's what generates most of the complaints from the citizens, by the way, they like, that, that officer was speeding and they didn't have their lights on. And yeah, I mean, we, we do that. We, we speed to get to a domestic without the lights and sirens, or we speed to get to, to places and we speed, you know, like, like we should sometimes too. I mean, I don't want to, you know, act like we don't. And, and, you know, Daniel, you're the same as I am. I'm, I'm, I've seen it in you. You're going to call out when a cop does something bad. I mean, we, we, I think slightly, differ on our, our opinion of this uh case in it in and of itself let's go ahead and watch the the body cam do you have anything to add before i go to the body cam i just want to say that it's I, I think it's extremely important to not only praise good police work but also call out bad police work because if we truly believe in the institution of policing being pro-police i mean to me that's what that means is that we want people to believe in policing we want people to trust in policing and just to be as honest as i can be the just backing up police no matter what every single time like like it's a reflex to me that's just boring i think we need to have honest discussions and if we want the other side to be honest which they're not going to be and i get it but if we want if we expect honesty or at least asking for honesty from the other side the anti-police maniacs then we have to be honest too and we see something that doesn't go exactly like we would want it to it is uh, it is a world of extremes i i know that a lot of you probably haven't picked up on that uh, in the last four years or eight years or whatever it is, but it just seems like you have one opinion or another. It's you're not allowed to be in the middle. And, and I, I, I relish, I love being in the middle. I, I love being looking at things objectively. And that's what I respect and admire the most about your Substack or your, you know, your opinions on, um, the Instagram account. I, I don't have TikTok, but um, you're in the middle. Like you're just looking at things objectively and like, Ooh, this is, this looks bad. I mean, you know, the story that, that breaks my heart the most that we talked about before we started this thing, the golden retriever that was shot the other day or the golden lab, whatever it was, uh, we definitely agree on that one. Um, like this cop just is afraid of dogs. So he took a, a golden, like, come on, dude. Like, I, I mean, I, I listen, I, I'll, I'll tell you, this is how excited I am over. I'll take a dog bite. I, I, I don't, I'll be okay. Uh, dogs are just trying to do their, you know, I, I heard something very poignant from a guy who was, uh, almost shot, uh, shot and almost killed in the line of duty. He's like, uh, I don't feel bad shooting back at the bad guy and killing him and taking his life. I, I, he, that's a conscious choice he made. I feel bad when I'm serving a SWAT search warrant and the German shepherd comes running at me and I have to shoot the dog. The dog is just doing its job. In this case, the dog is just doing its job to greet people happily with tail a wagon. Uh, I, I think it even circled back to the house and came back and it's just being dopey and, hey, how you doing? And this officer shot him. This is a, a, a typical, like, 
I can't tell you how many times I've said in a row call, uh, Daniel, just because you can use deadly force or just because you can pull that gun out and use it doesn't mean you should. Uh, and I know you have an opinion on this uh, dog thing. Yeah, so I my my opinion on, on this dog case, it's pretty much been everywhere. And I've been bit by a dog on duty. I've, I've got two big, great Pyrenees dogs. And I've worked with a lot of police officers who are afraid of dogs. Listen, that's okay. That isn't a crime. That's completely fine. But if you're afraid of dogs, call animal control if you have those resources available. Stay in your car, block traffic. If you're afraid of dogs and you literally aren't going to be any help, don't get out of your car. And um, it just seems like this entire thing was completely avoidable. And um, yeah, Dixie the dog should should still be alive. And uh, people in that community are, are are pissed off. And not only do we want the dog to live, of course, but the what this is going to do between community relations, between that entire police department, officers who had nothing to do with that case, it's just going to destroy the community relationship between the police department and the officers. And that's almost as much uh, of a tragedy as the dog passing away. This is it. It's just one step up and two steps back. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Let's take a look at this video and see if we're our, our Put your own hands worst on the enemy hood. this one. Put your hands on the hood. Put your hands on the hood. Put your hands on the hood. All right. For those listening and not watching, you, you can hear very active verbal resistance. It's It's... You know, everyone screams de-escalation, de-escalation. But if no one's, if the person you're trying to de-escalate doesn't, isn't participating, isn't playing in your reindeer games, um, that's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to pull off. And you hear him yelling. He's like, "I ain't put my hands behind my back. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that." Misses, have a seat then. Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat then. Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Okay, so the guy who we don't see on camera yet is saying they approached us first. We didn't do nothing wrong. Um, this this kind of goes back to what Eric and I were talking about with uh, Sheriff Troyer the other day. I mean, uh, hang on one second. Let me... Um, <laughs> I got a phone call right in the middle of this, and I forgot to put it on filming. Um, Sheriff Troyer uh, did the uh, we did the the story about Sheriff Troyer, um, and look, I mean, it's just a matter of <laughs> if you didn't do anything wrong, I, I get that it, you're completely inconvenienced, but you could also say. I didn't do anything wrong. What do you got? Like, let's, let's just, let me give you the five minutes of time that it's going to take to clear the air instead of being completely combative. You, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't be, because I'm going to tell you right now, this guy does not appear to be afraid of the police. Daniel. I agree. He's he's not afraid of the police. And, and I think it's important to remember that whether this was dispatched as a, a theft with an assault or whether it was dispatched as a, a robbery in progress, that when the police officers arrive on scene, they still have to take into account what the facts are on the ground. And this is an individual who is essentially, he's an older gentleman. I'm not going to say elderly, but he's an older gentleman and he's standing there with a cake. We all know how robbers, people who commit felonies inside stores, what they do as soon as they exit the store, they don't 
don't stand around waiting for police holding a cake. And that's what this guy was doing. So I do believe that the police officer had reasonable suspicion at this point. And um, the commands that he was giving um, also uh, would would be considered de-escalation as well. Because, Drew, I mean, look at this. This is a case where I think we all agree that there was reasonable suspicion to detain him. The officer didn't jump out of the car and immediately try to throw him into handcuffs. The officer utilized his time. He used his distance. And yes, the, what he's saying to the individual, maybe we could say it's commands, but that's still de-escalation. He's trying to de-escalate the, the, the situation instead of immediately going hands-on. Yeah, it's it, it should be noticed, uh, noted if you're listening to this and not watching. The officer is still in the doorway of his car. So whatever commands he's giving is... Uh, um, it's just uh, from a distance. And, and you're right. This is a form of de- de-escalation. So, I mean, he's trying. And I think the other thing that the people that are listening will will have picked out that maybe w- those watching haven't, while he's giving those commands, you can hear other literal sirens, police sirens. So you, you can hear the response. Like, obviously, something uh, something is big. Something big was dispatched, Right. I, unless they're not going to that location. Maybe they're going somewhere else, but let's see. Hey, Kirk, I'm making contact now. He's on call. He's on Get call. down. Get sit down, dude. We'll figure this out. Well, if you sit down, we'll figure that out. Can you have a seat on that rock? All right, just chill out. Hold on, dude. Hey, Kirk, this is a mound and the payment's going to be in the car. Just have a seat, dude. He's now approaching him. He's walking up to him. The guy's holding What's going on, dude? He's kind of sitting on a rock. Hey, come on. Why don't we order some shit, right? Just relax. I don't have nothing. Okay, there was wet. Okay, so the other officer has arrived and he's saying, I don't have anything. He said, we're just going to patch you down real quick. This is the Terry stop that we were talking about earlier. I was anyway, you see anything uh, out of the ordinary Daniel? I don't see anything out of the ordinary, but what what I would say is, again, you have a situation where no matter how it was dispatched, you have an individual where this guy even says it. I waited for you. I waited for the police. I could have left. He's standing there with a cake. And even if you have reasonable suspicion to detain at this time, since this individual is clearly has something to say, um, if if it were me in in, in that situation and, and what I would like other officers to think about is just because you have reasonable suspicion doesn't mean you have to throw them in handcuffs i mean this is a guy who wants to tell you a story listen to his story yeah that's great communication goes a long way and communication is a two-way street i I think though in my experience uh, i've i've noticed that west coast like coastal west coast la uh they use the the use of handcuffs is pretty prevalent in in just a, a an investigative detention whereas we didn't really do that as much in florida i don't know if it is if it's like that in uh, southwestern United States or uh, even Northwest, but um, it, it seems to me like even when I was growing up watching cops or, or whatever, it seems like, hey, you know, they would have them interlace their fingers behind their head and then, then they would just put the handcuffs on them and then they would investigate whatever they got. Not, not even necessarily throw them in the back of the patrol car, but they would keep them in handcuffs. Uh, I, I don't know if this came from gang culture or where it developed, 
the Supreme Court backs it, and there are a couple of, uh, in fact, uh, the L.A. Sheriff's Department policy is fine with it. Um, I can read that to you if I find it, but um, basically their handcuffing policy just, you know, there's a couple of things that you have to articulate, but it's, but most importantly, you have to be able to articulate why you handcuffed this guy. Yeah, just like you say, I mean, he's got reasonable suspicion. I, I think uh, I, I bet you the part with uh, he was sitting on a rock holding a cake and he stuck around and he was yelling, I stuck around and waited for you is not going to make it into the report. But um, and, and and that may not be the dishonest part, but he's because he ended up getting charged anyway. I mean, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight on this one. So let's uh, continue. You don't know that. Uh, Man, I don't have nothing, okay. brother. But a pack of cigarettes. See, they go this. Now what? I'm not even being resistant. Okay, so very. Uh, he may have missed it. He said that's his wife over there. Um, the the call came in as a male and a female. They match the description of the the suspects. He's obviously engaged in dialogue, identifying himself as the suspect. Would you agree? Absolutely. Okay. Huh? All right, dude. You're not under arrest for what? You're not under arrest. You're being detained. Very specifically, you're not. He's like, I'm under arrest for what? He said, you're not under arrest. You're being detained. Detained for what? Dude, calm down. What have I done? That was a pretty important phrase. What did he say there? He said, I could bust loose <laughs> as the officers are putting the handcuffs on. Now, I, I think it's important to point out that he does verbally say that. So essentially, that's a threat to not only overpower police officers, but also to escape from police officers. But what he does says verbally doesn't match what he does physically because he is compliant and he does allow officers to handcuff him. I'll play devil's advocate. This guy is saying, Hey, look, I stuck around. I'm standing here. I'm not doing anything. I don't have any weapons on me, although they don't know that. And here you are sticking handcuffs on me. You know, I, I could see where you'd be a little agitated over that, but at the same time, I've been on the other side of that. Like we, we don't know. We just don't know what we have you know, totally, and everything that they're doing, the court has allowed. So, um, I don't know. Do you have any uh, any other thoughts before I go forward? No, I I actually think that we're that, that we see this this pretty similar. That the police officers have the legal right to do everything that they're doing, but was it the best tactic? I mean, is this what they yeah. what they should have done? And, and again, I'm just going to say, you have uh, the biggest thing to me is that he could have left and he didn't. He tells the police officers that he's an elder. He's an older guy standing there with a cake. He wants to tell police officers story. I, I say, unless he, it looks like he's a threat or is going to threaten you, listen to a story. I, and that, that would be my tactic. But I don't know if it's just a thing in the Southwest. It may just be more of my style. Uh, we, we have uh, a comment from Christy, which is a, a pretty, you know, it's a pretty insightful comment. It says they do escalate things, though, in some cases, though, uh, because she used to hear things like, for your safety and mine, I'm putting, I'm putting cuffs on you. But I, I guess my counter to that, and, I, I you know, not every situation is, uh, is exact, but doesn't that validate it? I mean, if things, <laughs> if things get escalated because you put handcuffs on them, doesn't that kind of validate why you were putting handcuffs on them? Like, you, you'll never know. So yeah. you don't know if his breaking point was right before they, they busted the handcuffs out of the handcuff pouch or it's because you put the handcuffs on them. Either way, you're allowed to do it. It just it doesn't necessarily mean 
allowed. So um, there's no violation there. Boss, why is your door locked? Relax. Or you're going to get put down. Dude, just run. Me and my wife are playing legal. I don't know. Oh, my arm is fucked up. Where's the point? Right here. Tell your tail I'm flinching on the now you can't touch me. Have a seat. Come on, Why you doing this to me, man? Calm down. We haven't done nothing. Dude. I'm not going to fight you, man. You put him away. She got cancer. She got cancer, man. All right, dude. Man, come on. You, bro. I'm not gonna fight with a deputy. You cool. Hey, you a deputy, you cool, bro. I'm not gonna fight Calm down, dude. I calm down. Can I shut up? No. No, I'm on sticky ass bushes, man. I hit my sister. Oh, man, come on, man. I don't like to do this shit, bro. That's wrong, man. You gotta do that too. She got cancer, big bro. Man, don't do her like that, man. Dude, let me calm shut down, up. man. No, I ain't doing nothing. Let me shut up. No. I'm gonna get, I swear to God, I'm not going to get up. You got my word, boss. You got my word. I'm no. not going to get up. Man, she got cancer, man. Well, why are you ass acting like this? She's acting like that because they waited, rolled up on it. Hey, the guard came up on the phone like, run, 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 run. That's all he did, bro. Everybody said... I'm going to get violent with somebody. Have a seat. Bro. You got her? Yeah, man. I mean, baby, you all right? No. I'm going to get 902. Oh, man, it's my credit card and stuff. I'm fighting. I can't see what for. This, 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 whoa. Let me calm down. Let me calm down, bro. Oh, man, my arm, my arm, my arm, bro, my arm. You can't, but you can't fuck with me around and throw me. Stop. Just quit. Stop it. Just stop. Just relax. Have a seat. Yeah, bro, hold on. I want to make sure she's all right, She's all right. Sit down. Oh, shit, now. Jesse, just cooperate, Jesse. Have a seat in the car. She ain't gonna do nothing, bro. Have a seat in the car. We didn't even leave, sir. Oh, God. We didn't leave. You're making it worse. Get up. I have a seat. Don't so what? Can, so put her in the back seat. She can I calm down. So she all right, man. Okay, uh, I'm, uh, you know, the rest I think is just superfluous, but I, I, I'm thinking uh, in my use of force investigation as uh, the shift commander or the supervisor on the scene, I, I'm going to include things like, you're going to have to review that body cam first of all, but you're going to have to include things like, uh, before you even interview them, uh, you know, he's yelling she has cancer. I, I don't hear her yelling she has cancer. One. Uh, so I, I do understand that you probably need to treat somebody with kid gloves that has cancer. However, 
somebody with cancer probably isn't going to be filming you on YouTube if you, you know what I mean? So these are kinds of things that I'm going to evaluate as a supervisor. I'm also going to look at the fact that this guy unprovoked is yelling at his wife to calm down and stop resisting and, and just comply and just cooperate. And she's like, I am, I am. Um, if he's recognizing it, then how is it that the officer uh, is in the wrong for recognizing it, I guess would be my question. So this would be part of the evaluative process of of a use of force investigation. I mean, you know, obviously I'm going to take pictures of, of everybody's injuries and get everybody's statements. The cell phone video that the that kicked this whole thing off would be would definitely be a part of it. But uh, there are there are things that are being said that um, definitely lend to the actions that they took uh, as as more of a reaction than uh, action. What do you think? So there's no question that she was actively resisting. But my biggest issue with this happens right at the beginning, right when the police officer goes and approaches the female. And my issue is that. He never tells her she's under arrest. He never gives her a command or an order or a direction to, hey, can you place your hands behind your back? He just goes hands on. And it's later on, after she's in custody, he said, all you had to do was listen. Well, listen listen to what? At no point did he tell her that she was under arrest or give her direction. Now, I, I totally, completely know that there are times when it is not feasible. And that's what we have to look at. Was it feasible or safe for the police officer to give an order that you're under arrest? Was it feasible? Was it possible? For the officer to give her specific instructions, maybe even have a dialogue before going to force. Was that possible in this situation? And if we look at this uh, objectively, she's you know probably a 60-year-old female who was filming, who again, whatever crime she may have committed, she didn't leave the scene. Like, Was there time before going hands-on to give her some type of warning or direction? And I'm going to say yes that there absolutely was. And that's my biggest criticism of the police response in this case is not having any kind of a conversation of warning of force or uh, even a direction that you're under arrest prior to the use of force. Yeah. The, 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 the first two elements or the, the first two um, uses of force, so to, so to speak, or the, it used to be on the continuum. I know we don't use continuums anymore, especially in major uh, locations, but your presence and your verbal command. So, uh, I, you know, this you know, it, that was what we used to call de-escalation before it was called de-escalation, just trying to talk to people. Um, and like, okay, put the camera down. We need to talk. Or come here, come here, uh, that kind of thing. I, I, I agree with you that there could have been a little bit more dialogue. Um, we'll, we'll look at his body cam and see if, if it shows anything. John, do you have anything? Yeah, I you know I compare this case to the the Troyer case that we keep talking about so much. I think that there's a certain uh, segment of the population, and you could just call them the criminal segment if you want, but they feel very emboldened right now. There's no there's no basic level of respect for law enforcement. When a police officer arrives on scene, as you said, the first level of use of force is their presence. Well, it's no longer forceful just because of the mentality that people have for police officers. The cops show up, and these two have an attitude like. There's not authority here. I can still I can still be mouthy. I can still cause trouble. I don't have to follow any verbal commands. So your your officer presence not being effective. Your verbal commands they're not listening to that. Um, you know I'm not trying to argue with anybody here about use of force because I'm not the expert on the subject. But I just say that the culture of lawlessness and the culture of disrespect for law enforcement inevitably results in cases like these. It used to be the case just 
just to age myself, but when the cops showed up, you did what they said, and that just doesn't yes. seem to be the case anymore. Back to you guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're you're 100 right, and and they're also, which also lent to if you went hands on with somebody, it was an extreme situation, um, and it's it's kind of not that way anymore. It it just seems like, but you know, in in the defense of the officers that are on the street right now, things are a lot more violent than they were when I was on the street. For sure. I mean, uh, even towards the end of my career, when I was on the street as a as a shift lieutenant or you know a shift commander or whatever, things are violent. Uh, officers are being shot and killed at higher rates than they were, you know, back in '95 uh, or '98 when I was out there doing doing my thing on the streets. So, um, going Daniel, hands on may not be uh, the worst thing. Go ahead, Daniel. Just wonder what you thought. Christy made another comment. In her metro area, bail reform has made everyone bold. They know they are not staying in jail, so they don't care. You think that that has an 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 effect on how people treat the police when they first arrive if they know they're not going to stay in jail you know if and if there's uh not substantial bail or at least um reasonable bail for them uh to cut, pose a problem to them they know that they're basically going to get booked and kicked out of jail and, and be on their way in an hour uh does that affect the way people interact with police officers in that initial contact 100 percent, and that is such a great comment because that that's exactly it a lot of times people they didn't want to be well, no one wants to be arrested but people didn't would do things in interactions with police officers so maybe they wouldn't be taken to jail maybe they would just be given a a, a, a site or a warning but now it doesn't matter whether they get whether they get arrested they're not going to be in there for a few days they're going to be kicked out immediately so the incentive for people to behave like normal decent humans a lot of that goes away in interaction with police officers with this bail reform nonsense. I would also say that it disincentivizes police officers to be very proactive or to take action because I'm sure that you have both been through this, but you uh, you have a case right in front of you that you're dealing with. You're dealing with people like these who are extremely difficult. You know you're going to go through a whole bunch of work and expose yourself to a ton of liability. And not only are they going to be out, on the jail, uh, out of jail and back on the streets before your shift is over, you're going to see them on patrol. You're going to see them again. But you're going to go through this whole case and the state's attorney is likely going to throw it out just because, again, the state's attorneys all around the country are not very pro-police. Does that affect you as a police officer knowing that not only there's is there no is there no effect on these people right away from not staying in jail and potentially less so down the road? Absolutely. If you would go ahead and poll police officers and you would say, hey, you're going to be dispatched to a call like this and some kind of a theft at a grocery store. And you say, hey, would you police officers, would you rather have the offenders be there ready for you to make contact? Or would you rather have them already left and you're just sitting there taking a report? There is no question the majority of police officers right now, the incentive isn't to do a good job and take people to jail and try to get some justice for true victims. But it's it's just to try to stay out of trouble. And that is a sad, sad state that we're in right now. It, it it's it's uh, okay. So you want me to go there? This is why I say this is a broader issue for for public safety. Period, because police officers are not only begin uh, beginning to or not beginning. Police officers are not only apprehensive about doing their job. It's getting them hurt. It's getting everybody else hurt. It's getting every all the citizens hurt. And it's driving people out of the profession because who's going to want to work in a profession where you go? This isn't even. This is not like a heat of the moment. I threw an extra punch. You, you got somebody videoing you that you know is part that you know that you're going to detain and more than likely going to arrest. You go. You put her on the ground. Throw her on the ground as as has been shown. Let's call. Let's call it what it is. And uh, pepper spray her because she's not compliant. 
and she's probably not compliant because you just threw her on the ground. So, I mean, it's a vicious cycle, but they also are empowered and emboldened and they understand you can't, you're not going to do anything to me. All I have to do is hold this camera up to your face and it's going to intimidate you and you're going to get in trouble for this. You're going to get sued. You're going to get indicted and I'm going to walk away scot-free with this delicious, uh, you know, uh, apple butter cake. Um, it's frustrating. It's it's sad. It's it's maddening because you're losing good leaders out on the street. You're good. You're losing good police officers that you know. Obviously, maybe he was a little aggressive in this, but obviously he was he knew how to do his job and he knew what he knew when to detain. He knew not to let it escalate. You know, beyond this level of force, uh, he backed right off once he once he got control. Though you know, people are going to argue about the. The, the use of the pepper spray, but uh, she was still resisting. I mean, it's it's active resistance. Um, I, I think that's a greater conversation about public safety that people neglect because we're too afraid to offend somebody or we're too afraid to give them a bond or because of the color of their skin, they should be able to, they, they get a free pass. And that's bullshit, to be honest. That's That's my take on it. Like, it's equal and it's universal. If you don't want to talk about two-tier justice systems, let's not have a two-tier justice system. That's, that's Absolutely. And it might sound like I'm criticizing the officer, which, again, I think is important to do to look at these cases honestly and, and objectively. But all of that has to be under the umbrella that we just realize and recognize that even good, decent, moral police officers who have good intentions can make mistakes in situations yeah. that are d- dynamic and violent with uncooperative suspects. And in, in, in cases like these used to be a, a use of force, like a training issue and maybe a suspension letter or reprimand or something. But now they're a full blown. We have to report this to the Department of Justice and we're going to turn this over to the um, district attorney's office and he's probably going to face charges. Well, what, what do you mean? Like, this is just a, a simple use of force. This is exactly we've done 200 million of these over the over the centuries in the United States why is this one different just because it was captured on video and yes the optics are horrible but but we can't keep chasing optics at some point we're going to have to stand up and say yes this looks bad you know it also is bad when somebody has got a camera in your face i mean what, what was the state i, I think it was uh, I don't think it was Michigan. One of the states has just come out with uh, legislation that says you can't be within. Was it X Kentucky or Indiana? I remember Arizona. Uh, yeah, maybe Arizona Indiana. has a 15 feet, 15 foot rule. Okay. So 15 feet, you can't be in. So let's look at the other body cam. Uh, Abby is uh, completely right. We need to address the, I can't breathe situation here, but that'll come better on this, uh, on this body cam. I think. So this is the second officer. He's approaching from the side. We're just gonna patch you down, I don't have nothing. Okay, relax. We don't know that. Man, I don't have nothing. Okay, we're just gonna patch the cigarette. See, they go this. Now what? I'm not even being resistant. Also, in the totality of circumstances and the use of force investigation that I'm doing, I'm I'm talking. I'm going to talk about the officer's demeanor. They were trying to gain compliance. They were not amped up. They weren't screaming. They weren't yelling. They weren't throwing people around. They weren't pointing weapons. They were doing their job. 
I didn't hear that before, Daniel. Did you catch what he just said? I All I heard him say is that uh, that man was threatening me. I he said, uh, dude, relax or you're going to get put down. Oh, okay. So so this is his go-to. <laughs> I mean, perhaps he's Jimmy Superfly Snuka or something and he has a go-to move, but uh, he, he just literally said, hey, relax or you're going to get put down, uh, meaning... This is his method of control. Maybe he is trained in, in ground fighting and he feels more comfortable having the subject on the ground. Yeah, my wife's a paralegal. Oh, my arm is fucked up, man. My arm is fucked up, man. I'm telling you, I tell a police it on Now you can't. So there she is with her phone up, uh, just in an intimidating fashion. I don't, I don't, there is no other good reason to do that. Um, it, it's to intimidate. It's basically to say, hey, I am here and I am watching you, so you will not conduct, you know, you will conduct yourself professionally, even if I am part of the crime, you know, and and I, I, I don't have an issue with him walking towards her knowing that the camera is on because he's got a body camera too. He's, he's fine with what he's doing. You know what I mean? He's not, he doesn't fear the policy violation. Do you see something different other than the, the verbalization, uh, Daniel? No, I I don't see anything different. And um, yeah, as much as I said, we were kind of nitpicking the things that, that the officer maybe should have done differently. I mean, look at what she's doing. She is actively resisting that police officer. It's it's kind of like that that line from from Fight Club. You know, you're part of this. You're you're part of this of this crime. You see your husband being placed in handcuffs. You're approaching the officers, pretty much getting right on top of them with a phone. And what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> the freeze frame that the media keeps using is uh, when he he does have you, you'll see in a second he he puts his uh, hand around her neck to do the takedown uh, the back of her neck and and he throws her down to the ground. They don't use this freeze frame right here, which I think is pretty poignant. This is exactly how uh, this is how I was trained in defensive tactics. When you're about to do a takedown, you're you, this is like you're trying to gain compliance uh, or an escort hold. This may be called. Um, because you can slip that right hand down and grab a hold of the wrist and do a wrist compression while you're, you know, putting pressure with your left hand here. But more importantly, I see what I see in this, in this, you know, I just happen to randomly pause it here, is that she's pulling away from him. She is actively pulling away. So whether you're bracing or tensing, this could be a, a passive resistance or an active resistance where you're, you're pulling away. Maybe you're not necessarily fighting the cops, but you're definitely not, you know what I mean? You're you're doing a swift action to to escape or to get away. Um, this does warrant some type of reaction. You're gonna you, you got to figure out why is she trying to create distance? I mean, does she have a gun? Does she, you know? And and th those are the criticisms that we're always gonna have to stand up to. You can't stop. You can't touch. Her. Get down on the ground. Get on the ground. Stop. I don't give a stop. Motherfucker, stop. Stop and you're gonna get punched in the you, face. You punch me and you're gonna you're gonna get sued too. Okay. Uh 
Yes, she's a poor grandmother, elderly woman, blah, blah, blah. Motherfucker, if you punch me. <laughs> uh, is she worried about the pain <laughs> when she gets punched? What is she worried about? I have never met a grandmother so sweet. And I, I just want to say that, that that's what they've been playing on the media. The police officer saying uh, basically a warning of force that she's going to get punched. I am 100% good with that. And Drew, I'm, I'm curious what you would have to say about that is the warning of force of letting someone know if you don't comply, these are the consequences. This is how police officers are trained. This is what we want police officers to do. He's not punching her in the face. It was a warning of force. I think that was a very good thing for the police officer to do to try to gain compliance. I've never been a big puncher in the facer, but he did. He he is at least telling her, like, dude, I'm about to I'm about to crack you in the in the skull here. And her immediate concern is not, be careful. I have a new set of dentures, or you know, I just paid for these teeth or whatever. Her concern is, if you punch me, I'm going to sue you. She's not afraid of the pain. She wants the punch. But she is warning him, just like he's warning her. <laughs> I'm about to distract you with a punch to the chops. She's saying, go ahead and do it, because I'm calling an attorney, and I'm getting your money. Which is the same I, exact I, reason that she was filming right in the officer's face. That's why she said that line. Sometimes the quiet part is out loud, and there it is. Yep. You already got sued. I got it Check on camera. Stop. I Turn got it around. on camera. Get your neck off my, off my I can't breathe. Hey, we're in a fight. Okay, so she's saying, get your neck off of my, she went to say, get your neck off of my knee. She really wanted to say, get your knee off of my neck. This is for the, for the cameras. This is for her camera that is probably rolling. This is for his body camera. And this is for the cell phone camera that caught the whole thing of the lady that was sitting in the parking lot. His knee is not on her neck. And you'll see any other, uh, you can see even some of the news stations break it down. They're like, it appears that his knee is on her neck. And it's not. It's on her shoulder. It's nowhere. It's not even near her neck. And this is this is why use of force is ugly. But this guy is trained in defensive tactics. It appears that he's trained in some type of ground fighting anyway. And he keeps saying, or, or she starts saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Well, how are you screaming like you are? And how are you so calmly telling me that you're about to sue me? And how are you telling me to get my knee off your neck? Uh, or how, whatever she said, like, if you couldn't breathe, you wouldn't be able to say all that. And at the exact time that she says uh, what she means to say, or, you know, probably wants to say, you know, get, get your knee off my neck. You can see it in, in perfect fashion and in beautiful fashion. You can see the still frame from the officer's body camera footage that his hands, his feet, his knees, his toes, nothing is near her neck. It, it, it's like that meme where it says mostly peaceful, the, where the reporter says it and everything <laughs> is on fire behind. This is exactly what that is because she is screaming, I can't breathe for the for the cameras for the audio when the officer is doing nothing at this moment that would cause her to not breathe except her screaming yeah but but for the washed out lighting of the parking lot if you're watching this you can see uh she's holding a mask like a covid mask but you can see her face like you can clearly see her face unless he's got you know like plastic man <laughs> like length to his uh, legs I, I don't think that his knee would reach but but there is a point where y you can very clearly see on other video I i've seen it on news clips where um his his knee is on her back like on her i think i guess it would be her 
She's kind of leaning on the ground on her left side, so up on her right shoulder. And yeah, it's it's he's trying to get her into a three point cuffing stance. It's that's what we all recognize. It's what the citizens now recognize, though, is the George Floyd. You've got my knee, my neck on your knee. She's got me confused now. So no, but Let's that's that's exactly it. I mean, the, the, oh, I'm Go sorry. Ahead. Just the the, the no, point no. where that cell phone video catches it. I mean, what the officer is is doing is essentially again, she's actively resisting. The officer is trying to get her onto her stomach, and she is pushing against the officer, trying to roll back onto her back. And the police officer does use his leg, his knee, kind of to to stop it in order to brace it, so she can't completely turn over. And that's what the camera catches. Right. Exactly. I can't breathe. It's now fine. You took me down to the ground. Stop manhandling me. I didn't do nothing. You took me down. the commander. Okay, for the benefit of those listening, he just pepper sprayed her twice. Uh, she's still actively resisting. Um, perhaps not the most brutal active resistance I've ever seen, but she's also saying, stop manhandling me. Okay, well, I've got a way to do that. <laughs> Uh, I won't manhandle you anymore. I'll just, from a distance, spray you with this pepper spray and, and get you into compliance and put handcuffs on you. I mean, uh, I, I think it's a little, um, I won't even say that. I, I mean, I, I was going to say, I think it's a little extreme, but I, it's a tool on your belt. It, it's it's essentially a de-escalation when you think about it, When you, compared to what he could do. He'd never punched her in the face. He didn't take out his ass baton and start striking her. He didn't shoot her. He didn't kick her. Uh, he is not amped up still. He is still very calm, and he's still trying to gain compliance. It's not. This is not a, you know, okay, well, you want to be part of a wrestling match. Here we go. What say you? I, I don't, I don't love the, the, the pepper spray. Um, and uh, I've arrested approximately 3000 people. I've used it one time and it didn't work. And anytime one of my buddies used pepper spray, it affected me more than the person that I was arresting. So I'm a little biased there. Um, however, that being said in, in, Looking at exactly what's going on, the use of the pepper spray with dealing with someone who is actively resisting, it, yes, it would be in the range of what is reasonable use of force given the circumstances, but it's not my favorite force option, I'll tell you. I can understand that. Uh, I was pretty successful with the pepper spray. I, I was also, when I was in FTO, we we literally had just got pepper spray, and uh, we were fighting a naked man in the rain, and my FTO... <laughs> My FTO looked me dead in the eye and yelled that he was going to spray and then sprayed me dead in the eye. Uh, so, um, you know, I like, I like, I like pepper spray, spray for, uh, I like pepper spray for Dixie, the dog, not for this. Uh, sweet yeah, grandma. Uh, fair enough. Put your hands behind your back. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. I don't care. Put your hand behind your back. You're going to get sprayed again. Let me get 912. Get up. 
Because you're being, you were being detained. Let's go. Let's go. Stop fighting. So, um, yeah, like this is a classic um, resist. I mean, she just she doesn't agree with it, and he doesn't agree with it. Therefore, um, they're going to try this out instead of try it in a court of law. And, and there's also some entitlement that has come from the George Floyd era, we'll call it, uh, where they don't feel they have to comply with anything. And this is what happens. And, uh, you know, unfortunately this, this officer is probably going to be disciplined into oblivion. And, and I could say opinion. this as I have more lawyer friends. You have a law degree. I have more lawyer friends than I do police friends. If you honestly think that the police officers are doing you wrong and they have illegally arrested you, uh, just like you said, Drew, the place to fight that is in court, not on the street with the police officer. If it is a true case of, of police brutality where your civil rights are violated, attorneys are literally going to fight over each other in order to represent you. <laughs> that's where that's where the money is like it's not in the uh <laughs> you punch me in the face cases uh necessarily so uh according to the manual of policy and procedures uh, reportable use of force categories for la sheriff's department uh they have a very robust website when it comes to transparency i'll give them uh, kudos for that you, you can go on there you can pull up their use of force policy this is considered they have like hobbling or searching and handcuffing uh, resisted firm grip or controls or cut-alongs. Then they have category one force, which are takedowns, use of OC spray. They have category two, which is anything with an identifiable injury. Uh, and uh, also category three, which is all shootings, which a shot was intentionally fired by a person. So obviously those are going to be your bigger cases. This is a category one use of force. They did the use of force investigation and whatever happened, happened. It's just that the cell phone video emerged after the fact and the sheriff felt he needed to take action. Anyone agree? I, I completely agree. I, I always have like a radically different take than you drew. I mean, this is because I'm not a cop, but I, I, honestly, as just a citizen, I, I get so tired of this stuff. You know, if you want to, if you want a trial by combat in the street, then I guess what you get, what you get. And sometimes that means you get a good police officer. Sometimes it means you get a bad police officer. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have accountability for police officers, but there again, why are you deciding I'm going to settle this issue here in the streets? We've seen so many uses of force in which, you know, people are ultimately killed. Those people never got their day in court. You know, you have civil rights. Being arrested really isn't a big deal, particularly if you're not going to be in jail for a long time. If if you feel like you've done been done wrong, like these guys said, just comply. Uh, you know, you know if you haven't been read your Miranda rights, it seems like you may know what they are. So just keep <laughs> silent. And when your lawyer gets there, just get ready to have a field day. You know, I, I wish these guys uh, had the mentality that, you know, I'm going to look like the innocent victim because these police are roughing me up and I'm just being calm and, and quiet. Because then at least they'd be less of a pain in the ass during the whole process. Drew. So at the end of this, they were charged with resisting. Uh, I think they were both charged with resisting arrest. He was charged with petty theft. She was charged with ass assaulting an officer inside the Winco, which is probably some type of loss prevention officer. So let's take a look at what the community says about this. Just because the, the cell phone surfaces and it looks bad, this gives the community license to do things like this. This is where we definitely have a problem. 
abuse by a sheriff's deputy. They see this as systemic mistreatment involving local businesses too. something. Okay, first of all, this is uh, from KTLA. We're obviously going to add commentary to what they're doing uh, to, to this, this robust news report. Very well done. I want you to take note. The people listening probably can hear it, but he's talking about uh, criminal activity, and there are about 10 burglar alarms going off right behind him. They say has been going on for years, and this use of force, just the latest example. So in my estimation, there's about 30 people. Um, they're all walking with signs, cell phones raised, yelling. There's a megaphone involved. They're, they're yelling. Uh, they're just yelling, no justice. It's a call and answer. No peace. It's the, it's the, it's the cry of the police brutality movement and, uh, or anti-police brutality movement. And they are entering the WinCo where this occurred. Now, this is, this is uh, we'll talk about this in a second. Angry protesters march into a Lancaster grocery store demanding changes in its policy and procedures dealing with suspected shoplifting. Okay, so what you don't see is the flood of people taking over this store, 20 or 30 people bum rushing a, 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 a shopping store, a, a, a grocery store is, daunting to some of the people in there, including the elderly people of the community, if they're so concerned about the elderly. And uh, these people are characterized by the very same news media as angry protesters walking into the store. And they're yelling, no justice, no peace. They basically take the store over. It caused the store to close early. They did the same thing. They came back the next day and did the same thing. Like, like somehow this is going to get um, the most attention. And what, and Daniel, they, they said uh, they're doing this in the name of getting the store to change their policy. And, and I, I mean, do you find that interesting? Uh, yeah, I find it interesting because I think the, the store definitely has a racist policy of not allowing shoplifting. <laughs> That's my point. Like, wh what do you mean get the store to change their policy? Should we just let people just pour in and pour out, take whatever they want in the open and then punch the clerk or when somebody asks him a question, like what policy do you want us to change for God's sakes? You know, how, I about, mean, this ask, has... how about, how about we change something in the policy of the community where stealing is illegal? Oh, wait, we, we have a statute for that. Why, why don't we just enforce that one? Yeah. I mean, this whole thing has all of, all of the logic of let's burn down the Wendy's because there was a use of force in the parking lot that we don't like. Right. John, do you have something? I just uh, that these stores are very likely to kowtow to that or kowtow to it, however you pronounce it. I know that uh, when I was in loss prevention, it's actually a very uh, political thing. Uh, if you when you're looking at someone, this was hear me out. Even a long time ago, this is uh, you know 20 years ago that we were doing loss prevention. If we had somebody in the store who was shoplifting, and it would be a bad look for us to go and and do a uh, citizen's arrest on them or apprehend them, we did not do it. There would be people who were coming in the store. I'm talking about. Uh, uh, young girls who would steal uh, women's clothing. Um, you know, there would be certain people who were overtly part of a, a religious sect or something, and they would come in and they would rip, rip us off blind, people in wheelchairs, things like that. We would not go after these people uh, because it would look bad to do so. And now these stores are, are 
being met with mobs who are saying, you know, don't report anyone for shoplifting or somehow we're going to have to, you know, discreetly handle this. Like Daniel was saying earlier, you know, basically just record them leaving the scene uh, with merchandise unpaid for, concealed in their person, get their license plate and uh, hope that uh, a police officer later, you know, can encounter them and somehow resolve this theft uh, rather than being uh, more proactive about it. And these stores are, are going to bow to that because unfortunately, you, you know, their their image, you know, just take a look at Target, the way that Target has changed. Target used to have a very, very, very pro-police attitude. Target actually used to have a forensic lab uh, just outside of Minneapolis that was state of the art. And when crimes occurred at Target, a lot of times those crimes would actually be investigated at the state of the art forensics lab. And they would lend out these services to police departments. I guarantee you, it's since George Floyd, those services probably no longer exist and they're not being lent out to police departments. Drew. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize uh, how much uh, organized retail theft is a problem in your community and uh, that it is kind of the root of uh, a lot of the crime numbers that you see. Like if crime is increasing, it's probably because of the thefts, the shoplifts, and also uh, just the organizations that are that are committing it. They're coming from a certain area, committing all these thefts and, and leaving and going back to the certain area. So it's not even the geography of the, it's not even people from Lancaster that are committing these crimes. I don't know where these two people are, are uh, from, but you know, it seems to me that California has an Olympic level of uh, shoplifting. I mean, uh, San Francisco is losing all of their, you know, anchor stores in these plazas because nobody wants to do business there anymore. You can't, you can't talk to the, the people that are in there stealing. You see the videos. I mean, it's not, I don't think they're picking and choosing that it's any more than, than the media picks and chooses, uh, you know, police, uh, Use of force investigations. Daniel, do you have anything? No, just, I mean, John, you are completely correct that the store basically has to bow down to exactly what these maniacs want, because if not, the store is going to get burned to the ground. No longer is is the mafia showing up saying, you know, it'd be a shame if something happened to the store that comes in the form of Ben Crump. <laughs> that's true. That's a great analogy. That's, that's an so, excellent analogy. I love that, actually. <laughs> I want you to remember what uh, what you just witnessed, though, on this on the video, where the 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 group of say thirty people with signs and bullhorns walked in to the store and pretty much shut the place down, uh, put struck fear in every uh, in all the patrons' hearts, because here's the explanation of what they wanted to do what they wanted to accomplish. We want to make sure that it's fair treatment for the customers that are in there, and we went in there to have a conversation with the management. So is that how you go in and have a conversation? We're going to have, have a fair everything. conversation at the point of a gun. Pretty you much, couldn't like. set an appointment with the manager's, uh, you know, assistant, or you couldn't just, uh, you know, stop at the customer service counter and say, hey, can we discuss this? I mean, you had to come 30 deep with bullhorns, black fists raised, signs. By the way, the signs, we'll see when they turn around, say, demand police national database that's got nothing to do with retail theft and this woman on the far left is uh, has her fist raised um and you can see the guy in the center who is i think the same guy that was just on there saying no we just went in there to have a conversation he's on his bullhorn and he's screaming to the people that are walking towards him in the back of the store they're just there to disrupt that's did you guys uh, disrupt and intimidate 
Do you guys ever see that old meme where there's a guy standing with a sign and it just says, I'm just here for the violence? That used to be a joke. And now now here it is where we have a shoplifting incident. You know, Winco didn't do anything wrong other than try to protect their assets. The police show up. The community is outraged about it. Okay, we'll go down to City Hall, go down to the police station. And now we've got guys basically holding up de facto, I'm just here for the violent sides here at a grocery store. I feel so bad for those poor employees just trying to make, you know, $12 an hour. Oh, no. All right. So. Fled the store as the marchers came in. Some of the employees had to flee the store as the marchers came in. And management quickly closed it early. Oh, no! Get down on the ground. It all stems from this video of the sheriff's deputy's use of force June 24th in the store's parking lot. An older man and woman, thought to be related, were suspected of stealing and fighting with store employees. Those employees called 911. What's going on, dude? Responding deputies spotted the couple in the parking lot and put the man in handcuffs. You're not under arrest. You're really detained. Then one deputy spots the female suspect nearby recording the encounter and moves to her. Stop. You can't touch me. At one point during the struggle, the deputy pepper sprays the woman and places her in a patrol unit. It's disturbing. There's no ifs and buts about it. L.A. Sheriff Robert Luna held a news conference today, saying an investigation into the use of force has already begun, and the Justice Department and the state attorney general notified. It, it's, it's a bummer to see it. Uh, uh, I, I always think we can do better, but again, I don't know all the facts. There's a lot to this, so I ask for the community's patience to allow us uh, to look at this objectively and figure out exactly what happened. Both of the deputies involved in the incident have already been removed from street patrol. The suspect couple has been charged with attempted petty theft and battery on store employees. And the sheriff told us today that he plans on holding a community meeting here in Lancaster sometime next week. That's in the process of being set up. Meanwhile, the protesters say they plan on being back at this store tomorrow. In Lancaster, I'm Rick Chambers. Guys, I'll throw it back to you in Hollywood. Thank you, Rick. Uh, so that was from KTLA, uh, KTLA uh, report. Obviously, we're adding our own commentary on top of it. But uh, but listen, I mean, so they even admit, hey, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, what what are you trying to accomplish? You're trying to get the store to change their policy for what? You know, like uh, in in what? Let's let's call this what it is here, because those were mainly black people in there saying that the black community it's the news saying that the black community is living in fear over these deputy sheriffs and it's the black community marching in there trying to get them to change their policy for what to ease the rules for black people to make to commit crime this is not an advancement this is not you're not advancing any cause by doing this so what they're basically saying is we need to make it easier for them to commit crime. Therefore there will be no police interaction because they're in danger when they're, when they're uh, interacting. Well, you know what? You're in danger if you're running down the middle of the highway, but you don't have to run down the middle of the highway. No one's making you do that. That's a decision you're making guys. I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more, Drew. It's a, uh just preposterous what's going on out there um you know we're, we're talking about one situation but really it's this is the situation that's systemic and this is what's kind of crumbling western jurisprudence you know the idea that just a mob's going to show up and 
uh, demand action from a store and the sheriff's going to get on the TV. And I, we were asking for patience from the community code. Please don't start fires. It, yeah. it just, it just, to me, uh, it just seemed very weak and pathetic rather than saying we're going to investigate this and then hopping out. You're basically begging people to, you know, not to, not to uh, have a mob. It's pathetic. Daniel. One of the reasons why I typically like the sheriff model more than the chief of police model is because they have the ability to be honest. They're not answering to a mayor. They're not answering to a city council. If they say something, they're not going to get fired. So um, typically I expect because of that, I expect more from sheriffs and I would expect a, a better response than he gave. All right. I am so on the fence about this, uh, this Sheriff Luna. Um, he, he was the P, uh, chief of police of uh, Long Beach PD before he became, before he ran for sheriff. I happen to have been a fan of uh, of Alex Villanueva, who was the sheriff before him. Um, you know, I, I, for some reason, am fascinated with with L.A. in, in California law enforcement because I, my heart breaks for those guys, like men and women out there. They're out there doing a job, and, and they're up against community, and they're up against leadership, and they're up against, you know, they're just up against people that have, like, ideals that are not in this world in this realm so i always you know i try to kind of keep up with uh, california law enforcement sheriff villanueva was doing well he was a democrat he was one of the few mm -hmm. democrats in this world that i liked i mean you know spoiler alert um but but he was doing well in my opinion but they voted him out in favor of this sheriff luna who's another democrat who's going to do exactly what they say he's going to toe the party line and um and i'm i'm telling you that i'm on the fence about this because there, there was a press conference he held last night that I watched where they're reinvestigating or they're investigating a use of force that took place last year before he became sheriff. And if you haven't seen the body camera, it's going to be the next big thing. Um, if you haven't seen the body camera, he released the body camera uh, video. Then he did his press conference and then he said, Hey guys, just so you'll know, this occurred last July, and we're going to do a big investigation about this. We've we've already turned it over to the DA's office, and we've turned it over to the U.S. Attorney's office, and and I, I think some of that is because they're under a consent decree. And I do get to I, I do get uh, understand that as an administrator or as a sheriff or whatever, you you do owe the public some transparency. You owe um, you want to be able to show that you are. Uh, willing and 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 trying to weed out the bad, uh, the bad cops. However, you got to find bad cops first. You can't just pick and choose things that look bad and make them bad, unless you're picking and choosing things that look bad that everybody says are are bad, knowing that they're probably going to be dispatched. You know, you know what I mean? They're they're probably going to be dealt with in a way that. Uh, like no jur no jury is going to indict this guy or but I, I don't think that that's the case on this thing. If you haven't seen the one from last night, it was from July of 2022. It was drunk people in a car. They stopped the car. Uh, the guy was didn't have a valid license that was driving. Everybody else in the car was drunk and there were three babies like infants in the back seat. No, none of the babies were in a car seat. Everybody was going to jail because of the endangerment of the children. And, you know, one mother is very like a teen mom sitting down on the ground, um, not going to give up her baby without a fight. And eventually they got the baby away safely, put her in handcuffs. And they went to this other woman 
who was doing the exact same thing, except she was standing and she's saying, over my dead body, are you taking this baby? You're not taking this baby. And they're telling her, we're taking you to jail. Like, uh, that's just how it goes. You, 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 you're not thinking of the baby's safety when you're drunk in this car with... So what happens is there a struggle ensues over this baby. You can hear them very clearly, three or four of them saying, "Let go of the baby," and you just see somebody on the uh, somebody walk around the other side and throw two haymakers. So what he what the sheriff is now alleging and what he's saying is it's disturbing to him because he's, you know, this woman was holding a baby and she got punched in the face and it it, it excuses her her conduct of holding the baby in her lap while she's drunk partying in a car with a guy with an unlicensed driver um, and everybody's drunk and the three infants are put in danger. Like it, it, it dismisses all of that behavior. It puts the focus on did the cop commit the crime here? And, and this is why I say you're losing them. You're, you're losing, you're losing cops when you do this. Like, I do understand that you have to be transparent. I do understand that you have to look into these things and you have to, it's a tough job. Like we can play the presser that, that, that he did for, for the Winco case. He essentially is saying the same thing. Like, look, I, I know this looks bad, but I don't know all the facts in this. So let's just slow down and let's get all the facts. In this other case, he's saying, uh, what I saw is pretty bad. I'm disturbed by it. I can't even talk about what the discipline is because the state law says I can't. I've turned it over to the DA's office. He's basically saying, I hope this guy gets charged because I don't want to deal with him anymore. And I, I think this is the problem in the profession. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everything you said, I would, I agree with a hundred percent. I haven't seen the case that you're referencing, but it, I'll definitely check it out. I'll send you some links when we, when we get out of here. Um, I was going to play part of the sheriff's uh, press conference, but I, I don't think, I, I mean, I'll play the first couple minutes. I mean, he, he's earnest in the sense that he, I think he really is probably trying to turn things around though. There are people probably in that community that are saying, you don't need to turn the police around. You need to turn the community around. It um, seems like something we repeat, but I just, I want to make it clear to all of our community that this investigation is to objectively, and I do repeat, objectively determine if the force used was reasonable, if it was necessary, if it was appropriate and proportional to the level of actions that were described. And, and of course, that's from the deputy's perspective, what happened in the store, all those things that are being investigated. I am also committed uh, to full transparency, and this is why I decided to release the store video on Monday night with our statement. Uh, All right. Uh, so you'll know, state of California, I think, has 45 days to release the body cam, and, and he released it within 15 or 20. So, I mean, he, he's okay. Thanks. Um, and, and But you know what I mean? I, I can't just knock the guy without uh, at least acknowledging that he's saying the right things in the sense that we're trying to look at this objectively. He's saying things directly out of his, uh, his own directives, by the way, like was the force reasonable? Was it, you know, commensurate with what the, what the officer was experiencing at the moment? You know, he's saying things that are directly out of his policy. And, and to me that those are indicators of exactly what he's going to, what he's going to find, what he's hoping that will be found with this officer. That's just my opinion. Anybody else? I think you got it, Drew. 
Do we have Micah on the line? Oh, my goodness. Thank you for reminding me. We have Micah. Do you have uh, voicemails, by the way? I do. I have two, but Micah's waited over 69 minutes to bring us another dad joke. So why don't we get him on the line? Nice. Uh, I'm trying. Okay. M- Micah, are you there? I'm pretending like Michael, say hello to Daniel. I, I'm here. I heard a beep. <laughs> Can you hear? Can everybody hear everybody? Hi, Micah. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Hi. Captain. Okay. Just. I am I am uh, Captain Micah. Um, I want to be transparent. I identify as invisible. Um, I did get that promotion by uh, naming my child after this show. Her initials are C O M M. So yes. I just want to be transparent on that. Yes. And uh, since this since this is Com Center, I just want to ask. Uh, I have a question for John actually, because he loves these. Uh, John, are yeah, are you familiar with? Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, are you familiar with uh, the Viking form of uh, communications, what that was called? Just hit me with it. So uh, it, it was known as Norse code. Oh. <laughs> oh. Last week's was better, but this was still pretty good. I liked your uh, "I want to be transparent, so I identify as as invisible." That was that was multi layered and like uh, recursive. I really like that one. You should have you should have uh, hit the home run with that one. But they were both good as always, Micah. This is why I promoted this kid to captain. This is why he is the captain that comes. Well, and, and I want to say to everyone, uh, I agree with all of your comments. The only one I'm not sure about is the apple butter cake. But other than that, a lot of great, uh, great points being made tonight, as always, on Com Center. Micah, uh, Captain, thank you for calling. Uh, please, uh, you know, if you get a cell phone bill, please send it to John um, because you've hung in there for over an hour on both nights, and uh, we can't thank you enough. Uh, so as a result, I'm just going to drop you unceremoniously. <laughs> now, uh, I think that about wraps it up. Tom- oh, do we have another caller or is that? No, that's Micah. That about wraps things up. Tomorrow, on Failure to Stop Proper, the, the big show, as John calls it. We have voicemails. We are going to cover. We, oh, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll get to your voicemails. Settle down. You, you haven't had enough of the stage tonight, I can tell. Uh, so tomorrow we are going to do the uh, the <laughs> I've banished John to the to the green room to our green room. Uh, he's erudite, as I was told by uh, an acquaintance of mine. Uh, actually, we were all told that he is erudite. Uh, so I, he's I'm sure that's erudite. not the correct word, but go ahead. <laughs> all right, so he's an Aryan. So. Um, that's his uh, his astrological sign. Tomorrow we are going to cover the Louisville carjacking. Uh, Daniel covered this probably seven years ago. We were a little bit behind the times. But uh, there was a fellow that uh, attempted to carjack a, a car with a, an undercover detective in it, and that's always a bad idea. Uh, so we're going to cover that on Failure to Stop Proper tomorrow. John, do you have any voicemails? We do. We should also get Daniel back on here to discuss that case out of Colorado where the guy stole the police car and would in hot pursuit, and then he died. I mean, there's no 911 aspect to that, but I mean, hot damn, what a case. I'm sure there's radio. There there probably is some great radio traffic about 
how you're going to stop one of your own cars and how you're going to identify it. I bet you there's some great radio traffic over there. Yeah, the car was just one day away from retirement. That was the real shame. Uh, the, the We got a, We actually have an interesting voicemail. I'm so glad that, that Daniel's here because do you remember, I want to take you back a couple weeks. I want you to forget the shark episode ever happened. That's what we jumped the shark was the shark episode. Uh, but do you, do you remember when you and I used to fight over LNI? We had our first voicemail who called in. They wanted to talk about the case where the colonel up inside his house uh, saw the pool boy out on his lanai and just uh, just went full platoon on him and uh, killed the pool boy in cold blood, as some of us may remember the case. I'm going to play the voicemail here. So uh, he's got a good question for you, uh, use of Force Detectives. Here we go. Hey, uh, this is Cody from Florida. I had a question for you. I just finished listening to the shooting with the lanai in it, and I had a thought. What would happen if the colonel, instead of waiting for something to happen, actually went out to meet the pool boy with his rifle? Figured that might be a good uh, topic to stick around there. Guns up, giddy up. Have a good one, y'all. Well, first of all, the sheriff addressed that. And uh, actually, let's back up. First of all, he was a lieutenant colonel. Second of yeah, all, the sheriff did address guys. that. The, the sheriff, uh, Sheriff Galtieri, uh, addressed that. He, he's like, look, we're not going to sit here and encourage people to run out onto their lanais with with guns and confront people. You have a right to defend your domicile, your your home. Your home is your castle, and you can defend it. I, I know that. I think the sheriff's direct quote was, I know that John from Com Center completely disagrees with this notion, but it's uh it's a fact. And uh and um I I I do see your point, caller, though you're just a voicemail, uh, where yeah, probably confronting and you know, where you go out there and say, Go on, get uh they're probably gonna get out of there, uh, especially if you're holding some type of, you know, um m16 whatever he had but that's not what happened and and you know i i i get your point that's definitely something to take into consideration for the rest of the people but the sheriff addressed that the, the other thing that's interesting about it is is since we have identified the lanai as already being part of the curtilage the burglar was you know the poor pool boy was already inside the curtilage so he uh fired through the the sliding glass door into his curtilage and with an AR-15, surely points beyond that. We don't know what the backstop was. But, um, you know, we didn't, he didn't discover the guy until he was already inside. Now, if he had gone outside and seen the pool boy in the lawn and lit him up, uh, you know, Daniel, how does Castle Doctrine change? Once you come out of your curtilage, you see a pool boy in the lawn, you've got an AR-15 in your hand, and you shoot him. You know, what, is that justified in your mind? No, that's not that's not justified. And again, this isn't this isn't what happened. But had he gone outside and had a conversation or seen what the guy was up to, he would have seen that it was a pool boy and we wouldn't be talking about the case. That's very succinct. I love it. Your home is your castle. It's not necessarily that your lawn is your home. Right. I, I don't know if we're going to just throw a lanai in there. I guess anything's fair game. W- well, one the more, Golden Girls. We have, yes. Sir, as my uh, my sister listening, she'll, uh, I don't know if she gets that joke, but the Golden Girls being uh, a favorite TV show. We just have one left, and then we'll uh, wrap it up, Drew. I'll go, go ahead it. and play it. Here it comes Thanks. now. On to the show. I'm just calling in for a comms check. Uh, comms check. Mic click. Mic click. 
Uh, just first time caller, long time listener. Love y'all. Hey, uh, That's so, it. He just wanted, he just wanted to say that he loves us. So thanks, I, I, I love him. Who loves us. Yep. You didn't say your yeah, name or anything. Can, you call I can it. guarantee also, I love him. Uh, also, thanks to uh, Cody. You couldn't help but notice that he was in Florida. And he was perhaps looking for legal advice on, on when and where he could shoot people uh, in and around his lanai. Uh, as we said in the uh, the Canadian episode, it's like. This is a big this is absolutely typical American behavior. We just uh we shoot up the pool boy. Uh once again I wanted to say to poor poor Mark uh, Polak or whatever his name was, thank you for your pool service. Thank you for your pool service. So I, I think that uh, you know, when we because we have a law school graduate in our midst, we should probably say, you know, I, I hope that he wasn't calling us looking for legal advice like in the moat. Like he's like, Can can I get out? onto the lanai and point my gun at them because listen guys call 911 if that's the case this is what we need you to do uh john right on cue uh we're at an hour and 53 minutes into the show and we have a caller uh we want to address i said that you should not do that i wanted to talk (laughs) about where you can find daniel on social media and how you can support his efforts but we'll take a caller I see that it's Abby, and I apologize, Abby. Oh, You're gonna have Abby, to move. she knows better. Abby, damn it. <laughs> Hold on. Let's talk to Abby for a second. Um, Abby, uh, so you'll know, um, I, I was yelling at John earlier this week that we could go an hour and 50 minutes and no one will call, and then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. oh, it's time to call. <laughs> like, uh, okay. <laughs> How are you doing? Sorry. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, of course. We always welcome you. I'm doing great. I just wanted to say, because I've interviewed all three of you, I had to call in. We speak And name. great show. Oh, thank you very you much, did. Abby. We all... Uh, great show. I, I speak great for show. me, but I'm, I, I am a huge Abby fan. You, need to, you definitely need to download her podcast, which is on being a police officer. She's had two great episodes. And our very own producer, uh, Josh, she interviewed him on Patreon. Yes. If you go to Patreon, if you go to www.patreon.com slash failure to stop, you'll see that you can sign up for free for seven days and then listen to that episode. I guarantee you're going to stick around. So uh, why don't you go ahead and do that? John, anybody? Uh, Daniel, Daniel, great debut. Thank you very much. He knocked it out, didn't he? Yeah, he was awesome. It was like a classic <laughs> breakdown with a guy who's brand new to the show, but he's just—he's utterly unnatural. I like uh, just the 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 breadth of experience and everything that you bring to the show. Having a JD on the show is uh, certainly intimidating, you know, particularly me. Uh, you know, I have a GED and I passed a forty-hour online course about how to be a nine one one dispatcher. So it's uh, it's humbling to be here with you, and I'm just so glad that you did did you joined us on the show. And I, I hope that we do it again, Daniel. Where can we find you on social media? Because you got a whole bunch of stuff going on. I saw your link tree today. I saw your your OnlyFans, and I did not click on that. But you got a whole bunch of stuff, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. You can follow me pretty much everywhere over at uh, Police Law News. And I, I hope people do that. But even more importantly, what I hope people do is uh, subscribe to this show, subscribe to, to, the, to the Patreon and share it with your friends. And um, it'd be silly for me to not also mention On Being a Police Officer. It was listening to On Being a Police Officer where I first heard uh, Drew Breezy on there. And that's when I knew that we were going to be lifelong friends. And uh, that's kind of how I found um, you in the show. And um, yeah, I, I just want to say, um, Please uh, hope everyone follows um, them there. And yeah, I'm over at Police Law News everywhere. 
Awesome. Thank you for sitting in with us, my friend. John, as usual, uh, stick around when we uh, leave. Uh, definitely. Every, everyone stick around. Have Daniel, words. you also stick around. Daniel, <laughs> stick around so you can hear this. I don't want to embarrass uh, John too bad in front of our guests. But, uh, I get chastised listen. after the show, yeah. <laughs> for uh, Jay Durrell and, and uh, uh, Eric Tanzi, who run the show on Monday nights, that's called Uncuffed. It's uh, two former cops turned comedians. you got to check that out. Tuesday nights is a little show called Night Shift. We're going to be changing formats a little bit with that. But Andrea up late uh, delves into uh, true crime with her uh, partner, the same Eric Tanzi that I just spoke of. Speaking of Eric Tanzi, on Wednesday, there's a show called Last Call with our very own producer, Deadleg. Uh, Josh of Dead Lake Media, who sits in on Last Call, very heartfelt Last Call two weeks ago around the July Fourth uh, holiday. If you want, I love that. Episode. Watch that. I love. I love what Tansy it was fantastic. Pure Tansy, like a lot of folks who don't know Eric Tansy and never get to see that side of him. The part that where right. he talks about the family values. I encourage you to go back, download that episode, check it out. If you ever wanted to know, like the the real reason why. Eric Tanzi has people who get behind him. It's uh, not always the crass humor, although some of us do love it. It's uh, he, he does have those core values, and they were really on display in that episode. I thought it was great. Uh, well, in this long soliloquy I'm trying to wrap up with, and John keeps interrupting, Thursday is Com Center. That's a show with John and I where we talk about uh, 911 calls and police response because we've got one of each. And uh, Daniel, thank you for being here, Daniel Carr. And then Friday is our flagship show, which is called Friday Breakdowns with Eric Tanzi and myself. He's a former police officer. I'm a retired police officer, and I'm uh, – quite frankly, tired right now. So uh, on behalf of all of us here at the Failure to Stop Network, thank you for being here. Uh, you are our bread and butter, and we love you, Wolfpack. Guns up. Giddy 